Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Be sure to go to HabsUnfiltered.net to check out all the great giveaways, all the great sponsors, all the promo codes for each sponsor to save you money on amazing products. Bonjourne! Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 247. I'm your host, Blaine Putvang. I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good morning. How's it going? Fantastic. I finally have a day off. <laughs> did you blackmail your boss for that day off i didn't actually they actually uh they came to me and they said uh you've been working a lot on your days off you should probably uh consider taking one off so uh so shout out to him thank you so much <laughs> so uh, i was able to watch the game last night stay up a little bit and not be a zombie today so looking forward to just uh getting back to behind the mic and uh, having this show and then back to work tomorrow <laughs> So those emails have been sending your chain of command have finally paid off. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate, I appreciate that. <laughs> I haven't been blocked by all of them yet. So we'll see. Okay, That's yeah. good. <laughs> um, so Treg is not here this morning. He had family obligations. Uh, he wants to send everyone a big hello and don't worry. He is still not wearing a shirt. <laughs> and I'm just happy to have a, a, a Sunday free. Uh, I've been driving kids around from one swim meet to a hockey tournament to a hockey playoffs. Uh, not happening today. So, uh, the, the daughter's finally done her swim meets. My son's playoffs are over. They won. And uh, a, a fucking day off. Like, yeah. Wow. It's a good feeling. Wow. If only I didn't have to work tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> but we're here, we're, uh, we're going to do our show, and um, we'll just dive right in. So we got a couple little news and notes option, uh, items here. Uh, the Canadians this week signed a, uh, an NCAA free agent, Lucas Condotta. He's a six foot two left winger out of UMass Lowell. Uh, he signed a one-year ELC that starts next season. In the meantime, he is on a PTO with Laval, and he is now in Laval with the Rocket, He's going to add a little bit of size, a little bit of speed, and some depth for a Rocket team that are going to be making a playoff push. It's a depth move, as you as yeah. you said. It's one of those ones that if it if it pans out, it's great. If it doesn't, it's a depth move, and it's a guy that we'll just see, you know, bolstering Laval's lineup for this for this season. And you know, the guy will be in uh, training camp next season, and we'll see what he can bring to the table. You never know, he might turn some heads um, given an opportunity at the NHL level or even at an NHL camp um, with the right uh, staff around him. He might, he might take that next jump. It's really, yeah. uh, it's really a, uh, let me see what you got type contract. True. I mean, worst case scenario, it's a guy that just plays in Laval for the year and yeah. then they let him go yeah. or best case scenario, a guy who plays most of the year in Laval and gets used as a call-up because he is essentially the prototype player that Hughes and Gorton have been looking for. Some size, some speed, defensive awareness, and a little bit of offensive ability. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that we see another player get signed to the NCAA. Especially out of the Boston area. Yeah. 
seems yeah. uh, Hughes is extremely comfortable with the the players and the teams out there. That's and right. He's, he's making his moves starting where he's comfortable. Yeah. We look at like, for instance, like we're going to get into the game uh, last night where we're going to talk about Jordan Harris, but uh, obviously he had a very good relationship with Harris and then there's St. Louis son. And then there's both of um, Hughes's boys. Except One of them, by the way, is uh, draft eligible to go in the first round. Exactly. Right. So obviously people are going to talk if he gets selected with one of those late picks, but you never, you never know. So. Yeah. Now Hughes was the family advisor for Harris and you, you have to call him that because in the NCAA, you're not allowed to have agents. That's right. Uh, But Hughes was also the family advisor for Jaden Struble. And the word now is that he is more than likely heading back to school for the year, which honestly for his development, I think is good. Yeah. He needs he needs a full, healthy season where he can work on his game. He'll be the number one guy in, in Northeastern. Uh, he'll be given a lot more responsibility. He'll have time to, to train and uh, build himself up so that he is uh, armored against these injuries that he's uh, he's had bad luck. He has. So. He plays a tough game, though. Yes, he does. Right. So he kind of, I'm not going to say he does it to himself, but his style of play isn't for, you know, for the light players. Let's just say that Um, he knows how to throw a hit. He is very involved after the whistle, if need be, to protect his goalie. His goalie is uh, a very undersized goalie. He's a very good goalie, but he's very undersized. And Devin Levi, who um, put up phenomenal numbers last year, uh, put up 21 wins, uh, 10 shutouts with a, a 9.52 save percentage in his first year. So pretty, pretty, pretty damn good numbers. Um, but now okay. there's, there's speculation that he might turn pro. It hasn't come down from the Sabres yet. What he's going to do. If I was him, I wouldn't be going to the damn Sabres. That's for sure. <laughs> but uh, is what it is. But if, if he does come back and then you've got Struble right there, well, there's your protection for your goalie right there. So um, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm with you though. I, I think that it would be the best for his development. I think it's the best thing that he can do is to come back, play the one, the, uh, the one D role and um, work on his leadership, work on his uh, overall game. And just the most important thing is going to be, can he have a season that he can play throughout the year and stay healthy? Yeah, and I know the argument is that he needs to play more, but yeah. where is he going to play more? Is he going to play more as the 1D in Northeastern for about 36 games where yeah. he's going to get 25 to 30 minutes a night? Yeah. Or is he going to play more in Laval where he's going to get maybe 12 minutes a night? Yeah, because they play 68? what? They play what in the NCAA? 39 games? 35 to 36 plus the bean pot, so maybe 40, 44 okay. games. Somewhere okay. he, he in played, that range. He played 34, right? He played 34 yeah. this year. But his previous series, he played 21, and then he played 18 last year. Yeah. Right? So if he can stay healthy, um, I think it would be fantastic. Now, to be clear, last year, Northeastern <coughs> didn't have very many games. Uh, I think Harris only had 19 last year. So he still had an injury. He had that high ankle sprain again. Um, but I think he's, he's better served to play that 1D role. He'll get a lot more minutes. He'll get more exposure. And for those who are a little bit worried that he's going to walk at the end of his NCAA career and sign somewhere else, uh, Harris didn't. Struble, from all things that we've heard so far, and from his coach who was on uh, TSN 690 through the week, Struble's goal is to sign in the NHL. He's, He's happy with the Canadians. His former family advisor is the GM, so they have that relationship I'm not too concerned with him. No, I'm not at all. I'm not at all. And of course, as soon as uh, Elliot Friedman brought this up last night and um, as they talked a little bit about Harris, I said, Oh, well, speaking of Harris, his teammate, Jaden Struble is thinking about going back to school and that's likely the, and then it was, then all the rumors started and social media started saying, well, that means that they wanted to sign him, but he didn't want to sign. And it's like, no, that, that doesn't, that's not what it means. Are you saying Hab's Twitter jumped to conclusions? Oh, it's just, it's awful. It's almost, it's as, bad like, as, the, it's almost as bad as the Leafs Twitter. Oh, well, I, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. That's pretty fucking bad. It is pretty bad. Yeah. 
it's a whole other level. <laughs> I'm just surprised that on Hockey Night in Canada last night, when the Canadians were playing, they didn't turn Struble going back to school or signing into how does that affect the Leafs? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they, they they still found they still found a way God. to 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 pop Austin Matthews name in in something that didn't make it did that didn't have anything to do with the Leafs and that's going to be our, our our next topic and um that is the incident between Jay Beagle, Troy Terry and the Anaheim Ducks. And um they were able to pop in, you know, they were talking about star power and instead of just talking about the young players on Anaheim, they had to pop a Austin Matthews reference in there because it's hockey night in Canada. So why, why even mention him? He's not going to fight. He he's he may be a big body, but he is uh, soft as baby poop. Yeah, I agree. Whereas Zegris, I'll give him some credit. He's willing to take a punch. Yeah. <laughs> Terry sure as hell took yeah, a punch. Yeah, he, he definitely took a oh, punch. Oh, wow. <laughs> His face looks like <laughs> like chopped beef. Yeah. So um, for people that don't know what we're talking about right now, um, with, uh, with about 5.30 left in regulation a couple nights ago, um, Beagle thought <laughs> – we use that word. We use that word very loosely. Beat him down. Uh, yeah, beat him down. Uh, <laughs> Troy Terry, after uh, cross-checking Zegers in the back during a scrum in front of the Arizona net at the wow, time, Anaheim the, was up five nothing. Oh yeah, well, at the time it was five nothing, right? So after the game, um, after the game, um, and, and you got to think there was there's there was a lot that led up to this, but the way that they described, especially the announcer, the, the guy that was calling the game, I didn't really, I wasn't really a fan of that. I'll get into that in a second. Um, yeah, you get yeah. a five, nothing game. You get two teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. This is guys playing for jobs at this point. Um, you've got Arizona. That's one of the most embarrassing teams in the league. They're going to go to sit in a 5,000 seat arena next year. They've got a bunch of contracts that are expiring they've got a bunch of guys that are on contract that are just there because of their contracts, just so they can make the salary cap. And then you've got a team in Anaheim. That's that. Yes. They've got the young guns. They've got this, they've got a guy like Zegris that can make all these uh, fancy plays and score in different ways and everything. And um, with what happened was literally a scrum in front of the net. Beagle is a, is known to be a tough guy and he just grabbed onto the first guy that he saw and that ended up being Troy Terry. And he started throwing punches and really it falls on the linesmen and the refs to, to get into that situation and to stop it. They didn't move in that quick. Terry didn't defend himself. Well, he, he, he got right? beat. He and... got beat up, but like he didn't do it, but he didn't, he didn't even attempt to really busy. Well, he was he's like, not hey, a fighter. He's not, but he's like, Hey, what's, what's happening. And, and, you know, he got fed a couple good shots and they don't have anybody on their team anymore. That's going to step in. Like Manson got traded. He's in, yeah, he's in yeah. right. Manson Manson's in Colorado now. And they just lost Nick Delorier to Minnesota. If those two guys are in the lineup, especially Delorier, I say that this might not have happened. Possibly not. And uh, this, this kind of blew up as well because of Zegers' comments after the game yes, where he called out Beagle and he called out the league saying they should check, look at this. Yep. I've, because, got his, you know, I've got his quote here. Yeah. Fighting a, a, yep. a 30 plus goal scorer like yep. that is unacceptable. Yeah. So he, in a, in a nutshell, he said, I get that you're going to hit me in the back and you're and but you don't punch a guy when he's down, especially a 32 goal scorer in the NHL. Who's a superstar. I think it's embarrassing. I think it's a bad look for the league for the player that did. It's humiliating. I think he should be fucking punished. I get that. He's going to punch someone maybe once, but the fact that he's down and he's not engaging in the fight and you're going to hit him two or three more times. I think it's embarrassing. I think you should be embarrassed. Now, um, there wasn't the a suspe- I, there wasn't a suspension. No, there was no, a suspension no, in the no. game with Richie uh, slashing uh, Shattenkirk. Um, I don't think it means anything that he's a 32 goal scorer. I think that was just fluff words. Um, yes, Troy Terry is a much more offensive player than a Jay Beagle. However, 
this could have been any player in that situation that's being the non-aggressor, but the fact that yes, it has to do with a player that, and that's when they, that's when Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada fluffed in Austin Matthews saying, well, if this happened to Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid, and it's like, it shouldn't fucking matter. It should, like, it doesn't matter if this would have been, if this would have been, uh, um, Troy Terry or if this would have been anybody else in the league well two things if this would have happened against Edmonton they have Cassian yeah so I don't think it would happen there Toronto it wouldn't happen there either because Matthews would have ran away well before the scrum <laughs> so in this case here with Beagle and Terry um, there's not going to be any further review nothing's nope. going to come of this but it, in my view it did kind of cross the line of the code because Terry was basically done and he was, he wasn't able to defend himself and Beagle just kept throwing punches past the referees, past the crowd. So after the second shot, maybe he could have, he should have let up. Yeah. As soon as he was on a knee, like he was going down on a knee, he definitely should have been like, this guy's on the knee. Yeah. Yeah. This guy's not trying to fight me. No. And that kind of, that goes against the code. So, They're, the league's not going to do anything, but uh, Beagle's probably going to have to answer for that at some point yep. uh, from somebody somewhere eventually. But uh, honestly, I didn't like it, but at this uh, because of what led up to it. Yeah, yeah. So there's speculation, and this is what I wanted to get into with the. Uh, with the commentator of the game, he speculated that if you're going to do the fancy plays and you're going to embarrass the goaltender and you're going to embarrass the team, because he did more or less, not necessarily a Michigan, but kind of. He did of, a wraparound Michigan. He did a wraparound. It was a nice goal. And the commentator pretty much said that this is retaliation for making a team look bad. You're already oh. the Arizona coyotes. You're already fucking looking bad. It right. Was. <laughs> I mean, right. But that's anybody... what, that's what the speculation was, was that Jay Beagle chose to retaliate in that manner to go after a star player because of that goal. Uh, I, I just think he, I don't think he decided I'm going to target this one guy. I just think he grabbed the closest Anaheim duck and it just happened to be Terry. I don't think it had anything to do with his status. It was just, and I agree, this kind of was retaliation because they were being embarrassed already at home and having that goal scored against some kind of, if anyone's ever played a pickup hockey against some older guys, you don't toe drag. You don't do these little, you don't make them look bad. Right. And that's what happened here. This is a pride thing. So I don't think it was targeted. It just happened because of that. Now, from there, we'll go, we'll move on to the Ironman streak for uh, Keith Yandel, which has come to an end at 989. Um, uh, The head coach, Mike Yo, decided to sit Keith Yandel. And go with other defensemen. They played Ronnie. Now, Atari, played Ronnie Atari last night and made his NHL debut. Yeah. So yeah. they're already out of the playoffs. They're doing what the Canadians are doing. They're trying to play their youth. But at the same time, why are you sitting the uh, Yandel and breaking his streak in a nothing game just yeah. to play a guy for a game to assess him? You could have sat anybody else. Yeah. I don't think it was appropriate to sit a guy on a. Uh, on his streak and i know it's pro hockey and you're you're looking to ice the best lineup but the, yeah he he wasn't playing any worse or any better than any of the other defensemen in their lineup that's right so <clears throat> for a uh, reference ronnie tard played last night um they lost that game he finished uh played 15 53 was a minus four that was, that was against the that, leafs right that was against the leafs last yeah. night in his day so that was the player that he was scratched for Right. So yeah. uh, my, my take on this, you got a guy that's played um, that uh, he broke the, they broke the record. I think the record was nine sixty four at the time yeah. you get up to nine eighty nine. you know, 13 year run. 
let the guy hit a thousand games. He's a UFA at the end of the year. Just let the guy hit his thousand games and then do whatever you want from there. The fact that he hit 989 is incredible, especially in this league, um, especially being a defenseman that, you know, has taken some hard four checks and yeah. everything like yeah. that. Just let the guy play. And at this point, yes, you can say, yeah, you're looking to evaluate your young, t- your young team. They're the bottom team in the Metro. Now they're not going to make the playoffs, et cetera. However, this is something that you do just as an organization. If you were going to not take this, if you were going to make this decision, they should have done this earlier. And we almost saw it in Florida when he played there. And a lot of people were up in arms and saying like, Hey, like, are you really going to scratch this guy? And since then he hasn't been scratched till now, till now. And I just think as an organization, especially the guys at UFA, don't, you, you might not even bring them back next year. Um, I think that now it might be kind of salt in the wound that you're probably not going to bring them back this year. Yes, it's a part of hockey. Yes, you want to develop your young players. You want to take a look at them. However, I would have at least brought him to the thousand game mark just to say that he was the first player to ever do so. And maybe the first that's ever going to, you know, for the next foreseeable future. I, I know that um, uh, Kessel is now the the iron man which you look at castle and you're just like how but you know the guy gets it done and yeah because uh, he uh he's he's never seen the corner of the ice yeah <laughs> <laughs> right but you know what the the guy gets it done let's just say that yeah and yeah. um but i i just think that uh you know you get a 35 year old guy who now you know at 989 let him get to that a thousand thousand game mark and then develop your players from there. You, they could have sat him the game afterwards, and I don't think anyone would have said anything. No. Um, we saw this with uh, we saw this with a couple other players that kind of were paying that should have been taken out of the lineup at, at some time. But you're this close as an organization, they should have made that. I I, I don't I don't yeah. I don't like the decision. I liken this to when Babcock sat Medano, okay, at fourteen ninety nine. Yes. Yeah. He was he had his 1500th game coming up and then he sat him. He didn't play him. It's that same kind of thing. It's a milestone uh and he took that away. And in this case here, you're not going to the playoffs. You got nothing else going on. Uh there's two things I see for Philadelphia here. They could have gotten the 1000th game in a row with a player in their uniform that would go up in the Hall of Fame. You know, it's a little feather in the cap. Also, how does this play out amongst the uh, the veteran UFAs that are coming up this summer yeah, when yeah. Philadelphia is looking to compete next year? Yeah, are they yeah. going to be more willing to sign there or less willing? Yeah. I think it'll be less because of, you know, you're, yeah. you're pulling that in a nothing game. Yeah. So, and, and for instance, uh, going back to the streak. So Arizona, uh, Arizona's uh, Phil Castle. Uh, we brought him up and he's at, uh, he's only 21 games back. And, um, as much as I shit on Arizona and I'm probably going to do it a lot more as uh, time goes on, <laughs> I do like the fact that um, to keep his streak going, they literally had him go out for a shift. He skated off the ice, got changed, got on a charter, went to see his kid get bo- get uh, born and then flew and then joined the team for their next game. So that was a good, that was classy on the organization it's a one-off other than that you're you're if anybody from arizona is listening right now your team's fucking embarrassment right so say hi to all our arizona coyotes fans (laughs) (laughs) but uh but yeah you're you're completely right about uh, the whole ufa market and everything and this might not sit well with some of these older players that are looking to uh that are possibly looking at philadelphia as a destination or not anymore yeah yeah uh so that we'll just move on to the Tampa game now. Yep. So the Canadians played Tampa Bay last night. Uh, the Habs pulled out a win in a shootout. It was an exciting game. So <clears throat> what was your point of view of what you saw? Well, we saw a little bit of uh, change to the lineup. Um, it kind of seems like the, uh, that top line right now kind of seems like it's a revolving door to find out who's going to play with Suzuki and Caulfield. So they're trying to uh, 
do some experimentation. We've seen Anderson up there for the most part. We've seen Hoffman, we've seen Armia. And now last night we saw Pitlick. And I think that uh, that was the thing that stood out to me was the, uh, the amount of odd man rushes and uh, the speed that they were playing with. And it was consistent. Yeah, because Pitlick so, uh, this season has been extremely consistent in his approach to the game. Yeah. Uh, last night, Pitlick was the second most used skater. Uh, Suzuki was the first. Pitlick was the second, and Romanoff the third. Uh, they were all over 22 minutes. But Pitlick's speed really, really made that line look dangerous last night. It did. And they, like, we, again, we, we bring this up since he's really been picked up is uh, what yeah. a waiver pickup this has been. This is going to uh, I think this is going to end up being better than the Byron waiver pickup. It seems that way as of right now, it really yeah. does. And um, that way, that way I tweeted out last night. So why not give them an opportunity, put the three of them out together for, for the, uh, for the overtime. We almost saw um, a mistake in the overtime right off the bat with Baron being pressured in his own, thankfully uh thankfully that didn't that didn't come to fruition but he had um, a good recovery though he did about 10 seconds later he was able to strip the puck back he did and i and i do like the fact that he um he kind of got in there and and he played the body a little bit when the when the puck was uh getting dug out at the end of the whistle and everything like that was good on him that's especially for a young player that's usually something that you see more of you know you'd see more from a Savard or uh, uh, an Edmondson or something like that but good on him for doing so he's got that grit to his game I watched him a lot here in Halifax he is a lot tougher than people are going to expect him to be he is going to be a very gritty type of defenseman who can really move the puck um, other than that, though, we saw a team once again that didn't uh, that didn't quit, and and good on them. They yeah. were they were down in the game, which is something that they just kind of seem to do every game. Every game, <laughs> but you, you know you're 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 down you're down three one to arguably one of the best teams in the league, and people are gonna bench and they're gonna say, well, it was Brian Elliott and that not Vasilevsky. But Brian Elliott played a good game. He made that two pad stack was right? unreal. He, he made some big saves and he gave that team a chance to win. It's not like he let up a bunch of soft goals. No. And, you know, Jake Allen, Jake Allen, he played pretty damn well himself. And he's done so since he's returned from his injury and he's given them a chance to win every game. Um, but you look at this team down 3 1. Um, Caulfield and Petlick go in to start the scoring on a 2-1-0. And it's like, who's going to shoot? Who's going to pass? Who's going to shoot? Who's going to pass? Well, we know who's shooting. Knew, we know who's going to shoot, but what a shot that was. And uh, yeah. the photo that they took of that with the overhead that they put up on their social media, fantastic photo, fantastic shot. Now you've got Caulfield who under Ducharme had a goal. And he's got 15. So what a turnaround this has been. And, uh, he is just com- completely a different player and we've seen it in his, uh, his interactions with the media and we've seen it with uh, his play on the ice and the, how he's uh, embracing the uh, every goal is, uh, is a celebration and uh, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, that um, we'll get into the turnaround for, for the young guys here in a minute, but I wanted to stick on that top line. There's a lot of talk about who's going to go on that line. Yep. And I liked Pitlick. I think he's, he's earned himself another game in that role. I think so. I think so. Yeah. But I, at, at some point I'd like to see how Yelonen does in that spot. Cause he has speed. He can shoot. He can set up plays as well. Yeah. Be nice to see just to kind of test him out, at least give him top six minutes. Cause last I would night, like Yelonen... to see, I'd like to see Yelonen switch with Hoffman right now. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe put the and have either Evans or yeah, it would be Evans or Dvorak at center with Anderson and uh, and Yelonen, and then move and then move um, and move uh, Hoffman. Maybe for maybe for maybe for a game because Yelonen only played just over nine minutes, like nine minutes six seconds or something along those lines. And he scored. And he scored. And it was it wasn't one of these you know garbage goals or. uh, you know, uh, a lucky bounce kind of thing. He yeah. 
stepped in and just rifled one past yeah. the goaltender. And shout out to Tyler Pet Tyler Petlick. <laughs> yeah. For for keeping the puck onside and a nice uh, you know, skate to stick. Got it over to Paling. Very nice pass from Paling. And as you said, it was a quick shot on goal. And yep. uh, you know, I think he's that's his second career goal. Yes. Third third career goal, something second like that. Um, but good on him. He's been he's looked good since he's been called up. I think he's got a yep. Four game, uh, four points in five games or something since getting called out. I think so. Yeah, he's only got about twelve NHL games under his belt, so there's yeah. a lot of room here for him to keep growing. Yeah. And uh, a note to make about Tyler Pitlick's assist on that play: that was his first point as a Montreal Canadian. Yeah. yeah. So that's the Pitlickers are really kicking it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so for for Yelonen, I think giving him more ice time, even if it's at the expense of Hoffman, who, whatever, I'm not too concerned about. I think what we saw was the Canadians and most likely uh, more to the point, Marty St. Louis really relying on the youth because they're the ones that were providing the biggest push. Yeah. And we saw, we saw it on the defense. Um, I was a little bit surprised that they went with, uh, three young defensemen in uh, in Schooneman, Barron, and obviously Harris making his debut. Yeah, three rookies on the blue line. Right. I was a little bit surprised that uh, maybe we didn't see Barron come out or we didn't see Schooneman come out. Um, but it was the decision that was made, um, especially since, um, you know what, Weidman doesn't give you the strong defensive game or anything like that. However, he's been pretty consistent this year when the, when the, when the power play – when the power play goes out on the ice, especially lately, especially with uh, with the uh, kind of the fall of Jeff Petrie's play this year, he has been out and he's, you know, he, he can make a good pass. He can, uh, he, he can, he's, you know, he's not going to dowsy. He's not like a Yossi or a Makar or anything from the back end, but he was doing the job that he was out there to do. But I support the decision that they made. They, they want to see the youth play. They want to see the, how these guys are going to play under different situations. And you pop them against a, a team that's looking now to win a third straight Stanley Cup. Yeah. I think that they played pretty, pretty well last night. And um, other than that little, um, oh shit moment from Jordan Harris last night when he lost his helmet. <laughs> and, and which which the media kind of teased him a yeah. little bit about he joked yeah. a little bit about it and said uh you know the ref was really good with him afterwards and skated over and pretty much said you know you can't do that and and yeah. uh and, and you know what you got a guy that's been playing with a with a bucket on for the last x amount of years playing with a full you know full cage or yeah or whatever you know the guy's not used to using losing his helmet and it's a uh, uh part of the game and it's uh, you know what it did it cost them it did but at the end of the day they came back they won the game it's something that he's not gonna i don't think he's gonna do it again and and other than that that was really his only mistake during the game other than that he played about 15 minutes or so just over and um, I thought he had a pretty solid game. He was jumping up in the rush and he was making a good first pass. He wasn't getting, um, he wasn't, even when he was under pressure, he wasn't like, oh shit, what do I do? It was, you know, I, I know I can use my speed. I can get out of this situation or I can make a pass out of my zone. In the second period, uh, this one play specifically kind of points to what you're talking about. He had two four checkers on him and he calmly, picked up the puck in the corner, uh, did a did a, a 180 in a very tight circle, took one step, broke free of the forecheck with his mobility and was able to carry the puck up ice to the red line. He ended up just being having to dump it in because it was near the end of a line, uh, a line's shift and he was playing it safe. But that calm, calculated demeanor when he picked it up and mo- uh, and carried it up he showed his mobility he showed his his intelligence he showed the confidence of a puck mover that in a his first nhl game against what is most likely the best team ever assembled 
in the cap era. Yeah. Really? Tampa yeah, Bay gonna, is going for the a, third cup? Yeah. Best team in the cap era. Yeah. And he did that against them. So yeah. that plays I, well. I, I think he's going to stay in the lineup for Tuesday's game. They play the Sens. Yeah. Okay. And then they yeah. the, then they'll play um, the Devils on Thursday. I they'll think stay. he I think he's going to stay. Now I th- I taking Weidman out for him makes sense because let's be honest, does Weidman really fit in the Canadians' future plans? No, probably Harris not. does. Yeah, uh, and there's no streak in Weidman's case. Uh, Weidman's case. So really, they're yeah. they're assessing their youth. Yeah. And in this he had case, a four, he had a four or five game point streak going in. Yeah. Um, Go, but he that got broke with the last game that they played in their yeah. last loss against Carolina. So, but having three rookies and a sophomore on the blue line, yeah, against a three uh, the uh, the reigning Stanley Cup champs, yeah, and that, they weren't and it's not, St. Louis. And it's not like ball. they're missing anybody out of their lineup. No, they're not. They played their full lineup, yeah. and St. Louis comfortably put them out. And I think it had more to do with the style of play that he wants the team to play under him. Yes. And these guys can do that for him, his style of play. He needs that mobile defense to tear, uh, get the puck up quickly. And that's yeah. what they can do. Yeah. But like, look who, but look who scored last night, you know, Caulfield get his 15th. Um, Schooneman. He got his, uh, he got his second. Of the, yeah. Second of the year. Yelonen got his second of the year. Um, you saw, the young, you saw a lot of youth in the lineup. You saw them playing bigger roles. It's, 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 it's a, it's a very good look on the organization that they're able to do this and, and pick up a win. Yeah. The youth really stepped up in this game. Uh, they, they're the ones that carried the team for the, the most part. I mean, Edmondson, you have to give him. He had a very marks. good game. He had a very good game. Yeah. And uh, with Baron. Uh, I noticed there was a lot of criticism of his play in that game because he had a couple of uh, whoops moments, like the the goal that's uh, that uh, Stamkos scored, the first one. He he battled with Stamkos. Stamkos then used a little bit of a cross check to create some some space, which I have no problem with. I thought that yeah. was that was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Baron well. Baron didn't recover that well. He didn't go back and take the stick, and he scored. But yeah. this is Stamkos, one of the best goal scorers in the NHL over the last 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Against but a guy playing his, what, fourth his, NHL game? His fourth NHL game. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's, some, it's something he's going to learn from. I didn't, yeah. I wasn't a big fan of it either. And I was like, you know, you could have been a little bit harder on him, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to overly grill him about it. No. You know, if we're talking about, uh, if that was someone like, you know, I don't know, Ross Colton or something or some or something like that. I'd be like, oh, whatever. Right. Maybe he could have kind of done a little bit better, but yes. yeah. One but of the best he, goal scorers in the league. From that point on, I noticed a, a little bit of a change in how he manned up in front of the net. He had tighter gaps. He was body to body and he had this, he had the stick under control. So within a shift, he had learned a lesson. Yeah. Uh, and we got to be we got to be perfectly clear here. Barron with Edmondson as a pairing led the team in expected goals for for that game at about eighty uh, percent, which is which is good because they were up against some of the top line, yeah. And they controlled most of that game, and Barron himself was second in goal in uh, expected goals for behind Edmondson. So we can credit Edmondson for bumping that number up a little bit. But at the same time, Barron did a lot of those things that he needed to do. He was physical. He was taking and giving hits in the corner. He was digging them out. He was covering the front of the net. He was he was carrying the puck up ice. He even had a couple of decent scoring chances. Yeah. So yeah. there's and some. What, and, and speaking speaking of the defense, I liked that the um, especially we saw it a lot with Savard and we saw it a lot with Edmondson. They were they were talking to Harris a lot during the yeah. game. Yeah. And we saw it even before the game. Um, Savard was sitting on the bench and he was just pointing stuff out. And, you know, in this situation, this situation, whatever, we don't know what he was saying. I'm sure it wasn't like, you know, Hey, what are we doing for dinner afterwards? Like he was in, in Jordan Harris looked like he was a sponge and he was trying yes. to get as much of that information in as possible. And um, another thing I tweeted this out about Savard's play since he's come back from his injury, he's looked like a whole other player as well. And um, 
you know, a couple of years left on his contract at three and a half mil. You're going to want to see him, especially with Sherratt gone. You're going to want to see a guy that can step up and be that more or less defensive defenseman with a little bit of offensive flair, which Sherratt brought to the team. Um, and then Evanson's game, as you said, like even since he's been back, um, he's he even made, you know, he even made Petrie look a little bit better in the games that he was in the lineup. Yeah. But obviously we don't know what's going on with him. There's speculation that uh, he might be done for the year. Um, but uh, yeah, Emerson last night, you know, played 21 minutes, eight hits. And, uh, he's playing that brand of hockey that you like to see. And, uh, the fact that he's playing that brand of hockey right now for a team that's among the worst in the league in the standings and these wins win or loss, it doesn't really mean anything, but the team's going out and they're not, they're not quitting. They don't and call him for, steady for, Eddie for nothing. Yeah, for, for them, this is me this is still meaningful hockey. It might not yeah. be a playoff push or anything, but these guys are some of them are playing for jobs, some of them are playing for just for pride at this point. And yeah, and uh, their coach or their staff right now, they're not giving up on them. And the team themselves isn't uh, isn't giving up in any of these situations. And we're seeing um even though they've lost a few of these close games against some of these top teams like Florida and Boston, and uh, you know, they beat the powerhouse Maple Leafs there last week. And uh, now they beat Tampa Bay. It's, it's, it's such a, it's, it's fantastic. It's great to see. And uh, another thing I want to point out is face-offs. Montreal started to win some fucking face-offs. Yeah. Only paling was under 50%. Everybody yeah. else was uh, between 53 and 56. Yeah. Uh, Evans was 62 last there you night. Go. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Evans yeah. was 62 last night. So, but he only had 12 faceoffs. 13 faceoffs. Yeah, yeah, and a 13. You know, eight out of thirteen. He won eight of them. Good on him. Yeah. Uh, but De- but Dvorak throughout the year has been really steady. Um, he's like 57 or 58 percent for the year or something like that. Um, we lo- but that is a big part of. Like puck possession is a huge part of the game, obviously, yeah. and especially with a team that plays with speed. And if they can bring this into next season, and obviously they've got a, they've got the the skills coach, and they've got the you know they'll have a full off season of that, and then whoever they bring in as free agents, I like the direction this team is going. Yeah, and on faceoffs, I know there's people that argue that faceoffs are not important, but you mentioned the puck possession. 100%. If you have a team like the Canadians that desperately need to have puck possession to help play defense, yeah. having the puck on the faceoff is a big win. Yeah. Uh, you looked at the Schooneman goal off yeah. a faceoff. Uh, a couple of the Tampa Bay goals came off faceoffs. Yeah, they didn't get a lot of possession time, but teams like Tampa Bay don't need a lot That's of right. possession. They just, need, they just need the opportunity. They need that one shot, and they were getting it. So winning yeah. a faceoff, especially in the defensive zone, is a huge defensive play yeah. for the Canadians. So these faceoffs te- are important for a team that can't do much on the penalty kill. That usually that have been struggling in the penalty kill. Just being able to win that faceoff and get it out of your zone yeah. and take a breath for a second is is big. And then the same thing is you got the same. You got the same team. They can't do much on the power play, but a lot of the time, and it's either they can't win that faceoff. And that happens to them and it, and the puck flies out of the zone or they can't get set up. And this is going to be something they're going to have to work and work with on the off season and be like, yeah. okay, every note that we have on our penalty kill and the power play, we're just going to throw that in the dumpster and light that on fire. Pretty much. Cause both and, the power play and the penalty kill have been pure trash. Yeah. Um, this takes me to, uh, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll stick with the youth uh, and go back to the first line. And I'm going to ask you, do you feel that Nick Suzuki is now a 1C? I would say so. I would say so. He's, you, you can't compare him to some of the 1Cs across the league. Um, obviously, this guy isn't a McDavid. He's not a, oh, no. uh, you know, he's not a Sidney Crosby. He's not a you know, name player here, right? <laughs> you know, he's not a, you know, he's not a, you know, a, um, 
you know, an Elias Patterson or something like that yet. Right. The guy has, he's in that, uh, mold, but the guy is getting, he's getting better every game and he's playing with, he's playing with pace, but he knows when to cut it back. He's showing leadership. He's, you know, it's not, he's not the big bruising, um, uh, power forward or anything, but you know, he'll throw the body every now and then he knows, he knows where to be on the ice. He knows where his teammates are going to be on the ice. And I, and I think that it's his overall game is just, is, is, is taking a next step this year and next year going into his big contract, that's going to be the, that's going to be the, is that going to weigh on him? Or is he just going to continue to develop the way that he has been? I think that it's going to be very important um, this off season, who they're going to bring in. Yeah. And I'm not going to say to shelter him, but But if they can take some of those heavy, but if they can, but if they can, if we can see, for instance, if we can see Dvorak more or less jump into a, or Evans, I'm thinking more Dvorak. Um, obviously he's had, um, some injury troubles this year, like the whole team has other than Suzuki. Um, I'm hoping that, as you said, take some of that, take some of that load off of them. And I think they'd be okay. I, 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 but I can't say anything bad about Suzuki. I can't, it's just, it's, it's his overall game has got so much better. That chemistry is there with Caulfield Caulfield's game has exploded yeah he's playing with so much seven points in the last 26 uh, something like that he was just he was just named rookie of the month as well yeah um and he was first in almost every category that uh that they score in um it's gonna come down to i would love to see that line find that consistent third part yeah because we see we see some of the best lines in the league right now, and I'll use as you brought his name up, Bergeron. And I'm I I know people are gonna say something for me to say this, but you look at their line if Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand. Obviously, Montreal don't have three players that are like that. Don't they? I mean, Suzuki plays a similar style as Bergeron. Uh I, I know, but you but shoot you shoot like Pasternak. Yes, but you're not gonna you know what, you know what I mean? They're not at that they're not level. Exactly. Yet. They're the not same, at that. No. They're not at that level yet, no. but that line, those three have been together for how many years now? And look at the, look at the chemistry. They know where each other are. They know where to be on the ice, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we saw it even with um, Tatar, Deneau and Gallagher yeah. and how good that line was for the longest time. And we've seen, the struggles that Gallagher has now had bouncing around line, line to line to line to line. So I would really like to see either who they bring in or put a guy there, see what he can do. And if it works, keep it like that. Well, that's like we mentioned earlier. uh, That's basically what they're doing at this point. And to point to the comparison you were making, the Canadians need their Marchand for the left side um, just for, you know, style wise, but back to Suzuki uh, he's got 51 points already this year. He's on pace for 60. If he would have had this season next year when he was making his 7.8, I don't think people would be upset. No, I don't think so. Cause he's, he's playing extremely well defensively. He's up against the top lines every yeah. game. He's playing 22 I, I, to 25 I think the minutes. only thing people would have bitched about is the fact that uh, you've got a guy that's making that much money and the team is in the position that they're in. But there's always yeah. going to be those kind of people, right? But, I mean, I think Suzuki has proven that he can be the 1C, and yeah. he's only getting better. He's only 22 years old, and yeah. he's already on a 60-point pace. Yeah. He's already a 1C. He's already an all-star. I don't think there's anything to be upset about here. Um now, Caulfield, his resurgence, I, I'm truly loving this. And last night's game, after the game was done, when Suzuki buried that shootout goal to win the game, Caulfield was the first one to him. And <laughs> for anyone who wasn't watching the, uh, the Francophone uh, coverage from TVA, 
he came out and they they captured this perfectly. He came out and you could hear him say Bunri Tampa in the celebration. So I mean, he's got a swagger and that's where I think St. Louis is really his fingerprints are because he's brought that that confidence back and Caulfield needed that. He did. Now, um we talked a little bit about the special teams. We talked about you know, the game itself, I think it was an exciting game. It was back and forth. Uh, three on three was amazing. Uh, but there's one thing in that game that really irked me. And that was the Sorelli goal. The second goal scored by Tampa Bay. He went in feet first. He, his stick hit the goaltender's pad, then his feet, then the puck went in. And that wasn't called. And he went in on his own accord. And somehow... That wasn't goaltender interference. I think the only the only reason is but because he didn't. But the thing is, he didn't touch the puck. But Allen still at the same time never had an opportunity to make a save because his leg got stretched out and he got bolted into the goal. And yeah. then we saw Kucherov <laughs> go into Allen as well during the shootout. So I, I wasn't a fan of it either. It it seems like. And a Gallagher Gallagher wasn't playing last night, and, um, and he tweeted out. He tweeted out as well a couple emojis. He's like, mm, you know, mm. all right. It's just there's no consistency. There really no. isn't. Um, we've 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 talked about this quite a bit throughout the year, and it hasn't got any better. Um, I bring back the um, the uh, TSN 5G camera of Gallagher's ass uh, <laughs> preventing a goal, and that's with that's with very little contact if not any if any and, and then you've got a goal a goalie that gets bowled over and we've seen it we've seen this happen to the canadians time and time again and it's just they're they're on the wrong side of the call 99 but it's not the just time. the canadians this the league has been doing this to everybody yeah. you don't have a fucking you have no clue. idea you have no idea yeah like you, well, you like look, the... look, look. Well, look. A couple nights ago, when um, remember when Allen, um, remember he lifted lifted Allen's glove. Yeah, yeah, and they still. The, they still that was him. the. Um, was that the uh, Dallas game where Sagan yes. moved his yeah. moved yeah. his glove? Yeah, Sagan coming in from behind, moving the glove, and they counted the goal, and then yeah. Allen gets bowled over feet first couldn't make a save yeah. unmolested feet first. Like he went in on his own and that's a goal. It's just, it, there needs to be clarification. And, and, and yeah. the thing is the, the teams are told at the start of the year, you know, this is what we're looking for. This is this call. This is this call. And I've seen, um, it really depends on the team that's playing. It really seems to be the, the way that it is. Like we've seen, um, Stick infractions and cross checking; those are the other two things. Yeah, and I get the stick. I get some like if if it's a stick on stick play and the in the in the puck do, or the the uh, the stick doesn't break, it's a stick on stick play. If you're lifting, if you're lifting, like if uh, like Savard took a penalty a night or so ago, and it was a stick on stick play, and they called it, they call it, they know they called it a penalty. If you're whacking at the hands, you know, call make a, make a penalty. If you're trying to lift a stick or you're trying to battle for a position, you come down on someone's stick, it doesn't snap, play on. Some of these cross checks that are more or less a push and guy flops on the ice, it's like, oh, you cross checked him. I said, no, I'm 230 pounds and you're a buck 70. You fell down. It's not the fact that I, it's not the fact that I cross checked you. Now, the, like I mentioned earlier in the show, the Stamkos goal where he used a cross check to create space. Had that been, let's say, I don't know, Gall- uh, a Brendan Gallagher on, uh, let me just pick a random name, uh, Mike Riley. He would have, uh, Gallagher would have gotten likely a cross checking penalty because they're watching. Yeah. Apparently they're watching Gallagher because Goaltender interference only happens when his ass is in the way and yeah. never the other way around. Yeah. 
but the plays like that are going to happen. The Stamkos play where he used a bit of a cross check to create separation. That is hockey. That that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. Exactly. Not every cross check is a cross check. It's just, you are battling for your space. And I thought that that was an excellent goal by one of the top goal scorers. And he did it using his head. I have no problem with that. And some people would complain because it was a cross check. Yeah. I know. I know that a lot of people, they want to see the goals and a lot of people want to see the dazzle and they want to see this and that, but uh, you know, you can't take the physical element out of the game and you can, you can to an extent, but you got to remember what you get. You got to think what you're calling. And as I said, like stick on sticks or if, you know, a guy put, if a guy puts a stick up and then you grab onto his stick and you hug his stick, yet the other guy gets called for hooking. That, you know, yeah. those, those are the things that just I don't like that. piss you off, you know? Yeah. And the same thing as some of these embellishment calls, you know, buddy gets tripped and buddy just, you know, does a 10 on a, t- you know, 10, 10, 10 across the board with a dive, you know, call a fucking dive. Don't call the guy that just tripped him. If you, if the league would start calling the embellishment and only the yeah. embellishment, yeah. we would see no more embellishment. Yeah. Because you know that if you, you took a dive yeah. and your team goes shorthanded and the other team scores, yeah. you would not play the next game unless you're some superstar. Yeah. And but, there's one, there's one other thing I want to bring up. I'm not going to get into the game. Um, I wasn't, I'll be able to be on that show, but I want to bring up one thing and that's the, um, the Jake Allen delay a game penalty. Yes. Um, takes a puck to the face. We saw that he took a puck to the face. Signal to the goal or signal to the referee. Hey, my, there's something with my mask here, which he is, you know, that is his, he can 100% do that. Yeah. And he let the, it wasn't like during the heart of the play or anything like that. And then he took his mask off, threw it in the corner because the refs weren't doing anything about it and you got to delay a game penalty for it. And when you slow it down, you don't even need to slow it down. You can see him take his mask off. And that is the, the back shell is not, it's yeah, not, it, it's not connected. The mask wasn't really secured. It was just laying on his head because yeah. that's what happens. Or you take a puck in the face with one of those masks, they all release so that mm-hmm. the mask can come off. It takes, yeah. it takes the kinetic energy from the shot wraps it around that helmet and it pops off that's how they they keep you from getting a concussion when that happens yeah and so and like for, he was for, well within his rights to yeah. show so the for ref them, for them to make that call and i know at that point the game was you know it was you know they were already down was it six to four at that point i don't remember it was the, but it was they were already down yeah and i like that especially uh, Pierre LeBron was like, that was just awful. It was an awful call. And it was like kind of like a league wide thing to say, like that was the wrong, that was very much the wrong call. And we saw a very aggressive Jake Allen after that. And he made some pretty big saves on a, a couple five on threes. Um, and a couple but, of stare downs of the referee. Yeah. And, 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 and as he should. Yeah. Like he was well within his rights to say like, Hey, blow this, blow this down. I'm not safe right now. Well, he, afterwards, he didn't say blow this down. He just said, blow me. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? Because this, this was a, if it, this was a, a veteran referee making a call, they would have just blown the whistle, the play dead. Instead, this is a, a young referee who's in his first couple of seasons making this kind of call and then feeling like he got shown up by the goaltender and punishing him instead of doing his goddamn job. Yeah. protecting the play that's right and then in tampa's game last night the net was off its moorings for a solid 10 seconds with the puck yeah. in the zone and alan normally goaltenders go and kind of sh- push the net off a little bit more to show the referee that's already off but he didn't do that because no. he knew if he would have done it they probably would have called him again yeah like he's a little gun shy on it Instead, Corey Perry went in and tried to put, <laughs> tried it, back. To put it back on. <laughs> and then you saw a couple, you know, ex-teammates kind of have a little bit of laugh in the blue paint, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, I wonder, what would have happened if Tampa had scored? Hard to say. 
would they have counted that? I mean, the net was off its moorings by not just a little bit. Yeah. So, so the rule, you know, the like the, the rule more or less is if it gets knocked off when you know the shot has been taken, or if there's reasonable doubt that that wouldn't have went in the net type thing, right? So, yeah, but it normally it would count if the net came off during the play, the scoring play itself. Yeah. But the net was off for a solid ten seconds. If they had scored after that, and they counted it, that yeah. would have been. Uh, yeah, that would be bad. Well, I know if I'm playing on my PS5 and the net comes off, whistle gets blown. So, right? If hey refs, if you guys want to play some NHL, <laughs> learn, how to make, know, learn how to make a call. <laughs> I know on the PS5, if the goalie gets hit by a player flying in feet first, it doesn't count. Especially uh, only only if it's you playing. If the computer is scoring against you or the systems, if you're playing against the system, it's yeah. a goal every time. <laughs> so it's consistent with the NHL. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> you have no clue what the fuck they're going to call. That's right, yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much the prevailing notion. I On Twitter, on the timeline, I saw Eric Engels, Brian Wild, you, yeah. me, Treg, everybody were looking at that play going, I don't think it should count, but the league's probably going to count yeah. it because yeah. it shouldn't count. And that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I think that pretty much does it for the show. Do you have any last thoughts? For me, I don't. Um, it's um, it's looking more and more and more likely that I'm going to be heading back overseas. I'm going to still try to get on as many shows as I can, given the uh, situation that I'm going to be in and the area that I'm going to be in um and to do definitely do my best i'm definitely not gonna forget about you guys um That's, you said that the last time and you forgot about us <laughs> i'll definitely <laughs> i'll definitely do my best um but other than that um i don't have anything else to say other than uh for someone that uh, grew up uh, as a kid watching uh watching uh, professional wrestling for me last night to see over social media that, uh, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin was back and yeah. the Undertaker was going to the Hall of Fame and the Steiner brothers were going to the Hall of Fame and everything. That was that was pretty neat for me as someone that uh, grew up watching that kind of stuff. Not as much now, but uh, for someone that uh, grew up watching that kind of stuff to see those guys and kind of aged me a little bit. I kind of felt it in my soul a little bit, yeah. but um, it was fantastic to see the ovation that some of these guys got uh, when I saw some of the highlights this morning and um part you know i know as we're recording it's a sunday morning and uh part two is tonight of wrestlemania so uh if you guys are listening to this this afternoon and um you want to watch wrestlemania all the all uh you know all the power to you hopefully it'll be a good show yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna rewatch some of this on the wrestlemania from last night i mean i i love the old the old the old wrestling so especially seeing guys from the night late 90s early 2000s oh so good um and for me i don't have anything other than to say uh bon nuit tampa and <laughs> to to our listeners thank you very much for listening uh we appreciate it keep keep sending in uh, keep interacting with us sending in questions sending in comments uh tips you know you know like uh for for treg the tips that we've been getting in the emails is stop shopping at baby gap he has taken <laughs> that to heart and he is just not wearing shirts anymore so uh, thank you very much. And remember, if you were talking about it, so are we. Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Cundell from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617. 
the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcast. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. We all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.